1: listening friends, Jack here. And I would like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. And that sponsor is Atlas. Atlas is a branding, web development, and content marketing agency. As a business owner, your day-to-day is uncharted enough. From branding and web design to content marketing, Atlas will help you navigate this digital terrain with ease. In today's world, social media is a great tool. However, you need to have a concrete, focused plan on how to use it. And that's where Atlas comes in. Atlas can help you navigate this modern digital world. And on top of that, Atlas can also help you with traditional means of marketing. So if you would like to book your free consultation, please visit atlasokc.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-O-K-C dot com for your free consultation. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Today um, is a topic that's probably a little more serious than some of the other topics that I've had on the show, Um, but I think that it's an important topic to discuss and there, there's not really any <laughs> a good way to say this, but my coworker Shay, earlier this year, um, her husband passed away after a very amazing kick-ass attempt to kick cancer's ass. And we're going to talk about the process of going through that and becoming a widow in your 40s. So here's my co-worker, Shay. And Shay, why don't you uh, give us a a a quick rundown of your relationship with Kit, who uh, he had quite a interesting first seven or so years of his life as well. So um, (laughs) the early part of his life would, it could have been a podcast show on its own.
0: On its own. Absolutely. (laughs) So Kit was born in 1975, the day the war ended in Vietnam in Saigon.
2: Mm -hmm, And,
0: In a very short period of time, his family had to leave Vietnam because of the whole South Vietnamese, North Vietnamese disagreement. And they basically walked over the border to get out of Vietnam and stayed in a farmhouse overnight with another family. Mm -hmm. I think they were there for a little while until they were able to make their way to the boats. And they got on a boat with apparently hundreds of other people right? and made their way to Hong Kong, where they stayed in multiple refugee camps, according to his sisters, who were older and, of course, know a little bit more about it than he did.
1: Yeah, Kit was the baby, was he not?
0: Kit was the baby. Yeah. And so his father then came over to the United States and was sponsored by... Uh, An aunt, and he was here for two years while they stayed back over there. And so his mom took care of all of the kids. There were six of them. And then his dad was able to bring them over, and they came over here. I believe it was around 1980. They lived in Seattle for a while, then they moved to kind of the projects of San Francisco. Right. They did not grow up with money, of course. And he grew up being chased by other kids at his school. Um, He did, in fact, set the record for uh, track at his school. And that stood until the school closed down.
1: (laughs) Well, he had all that practice of running away from getting his ass kicked.
0: (laughs) Um, And so he ended up going to UC Davis after graduating high school. And that's ultimately how we met because back in the very, very early days of the internet, there was something known as internet relay chat. And Kit and I met through a group called, it was the undernet. So it was kind of the internet for the misfits at the time. And you, you pretty much had to know how to get there. It wasn't just anybody and everybody who showed up. You had to have some knowledge of how everything worked. So in 95, I met him on there. We were really good friends. In 97, him and his roommate, Haas, they came to see me here in Oklahoma and then flew back. And, you know, everybody's life took the turns that they took and got married and he had an older daughter. And then that marriage ended. And I hadn't seen him in probably eight years. And I started looking for him. Just randomly out of the blue, and that was around the time that um, I guess kind of his marriage was falling apart. And after they divorced, he came here, and that was that. Um, within about a year, we got married, and yeah. a couple years later, had our daughter.
1: Yeah, they had quite the wedding cake. It was. Uh, we did.
0: We had our zombie. It was
1: a zombie cake groom's cake. cake. Yeah.
0: Yeah, with us uh, superimposed into a scene of from uh, Shaun of the Dead.
1: Yep, and there was a. It had fake blood on the top of it. There was like white icing with fake blood. Am I remembering that correctly?
0: Um, it was actually it was red icing, and it okay. was like a red drizzle that kind of went down the sides okay. like blood. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I remember. Obviously, I remember the wedding. I was there, and it yes. was just really cool to see how happy Shay was on her particular wedding day kit was a he's a pretty cool dude i think i yep. can say that you don't have to lie about kit of him being a good dude now that he's passed away right and the i have really known
0: was while he was here because you didn't want it going right. to his head yeah
1: right right but i have definitely known people that once they've passed you're because you don't want to speak ill of the dead so you're like yeah he was a, a a nice a, a nice great, guy very, he could Guy, he, he could he was really good at mowing the yard. Yeah. He was good <laughs> but, at mowing the yard. He was but, also
0: good at laundry, and let me tell you, <laughs> that's that's one in a million, right there.
1: <laughs> Is that something that's been sorely lacking this year? That's yes. <laughs> I was going to say your clothes are looking a little more wrinkly than they used to. So
0: <laughs> right, right, and uh, wearing the same often, yeah, no, it just uh, yeah. takes a lot longer to get around to it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Um, uh, Kit, uh, you know, like myself, um, came into a situation cause you already had, um, your oldest mm-hmm. and, um, Kit just jumped right in and oh, always, yeah. always treated her like she was his kid. And he was always yeah, a, a great stepdad to her. And without getting into anything, I'm not going to, but she she does have a few issues. <laughs> yeah, there are
0: some difficulties.
1: And uh, Kit just accepted them and went at them. I'm sure there were times it was quite frustrating for him, but um, he was always, always a, a great parent to her, and he never let that.
0: He was regardless of, of her reaction to him. He always was very consistent with her. And yeah, in, yeah. In, in making sure that she was as much his as she was mine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite thing with kid is when you were pregnant was how you guys had that giant wrestling uh, Jello wrestling tournament to determine the name of your child.
0: Of our child. Yeah. It was uh, it was an exciting time. We thought about recording it because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch that? Right. But, you know, we thought, you know, it's kind of personal to our daughter. Maybe, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, looking back now, hitting them over the head with that folding chair might have been a mistake, but.
0: I don't think that was a mistake. I think it (laughs) got me what I wanted.
1: (laughs) Well, that's true. You won. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that would have actually been a lot funnier if
1: it it happened that way.
0: Yeah, it would be pretty cool. (laughs) No, Kit Kit was a lot of fun though. I think it's unfortunate that he was as much of an introvert as he was because a lot of people didn't get to see that side of him. They didn't get to see how absolutely hilarious he was. Some of the most inappropriate jokes you could ever hear came out of his mouth about Asian people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because
0: you know, he's Asian, so he can say that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um,
0: And, uh, he used to go around the house, and he would just randomly moon me.
1: That's love, right there.
0: That's love, right there. Um,
1: Nothing says love like butt cheeks. See,
0: but you know what?
1: <laughs> Nothing says love like butt cheeks.
0: But like butt cheeks. Well, I found a thing the other day that's like a meme that says the perfect white elephant gift doesn't exist, and it's a it's a plug, but with the chain coming out of the butthole. You know. <laughs> And all I thought was, I need that because he used to moon me. And it's rem- a butt plug.
1: <laughs> Nothing reminds me of Kit like butt plugs.
0: Butt plugs.
1: <laughs> I think there's a new warning that's going to have to go at the front of this particular episode that I'm going to need to record.
0: <laughs> so... And the yeah. other thing, of course, is that you know not everybody knows that Kit wrecked multiples of my car.
1: Oh my God, it was like a <laughs> yearly event.
0: It was Kit. But I I just it's I I really questioned getting in the car with him every time because he really was like, and I say this, you know, and it, it seems kind of crass and everything considering he's gone now, but he was like a living final destination. <laughs> Yeah. If it wasn't my car, it was his car. It was multiple wrecks, and poor dude just <laughs> couldn't get a break from it
1: no he he could not he uh you know, but I guess he got a new car every year
0: he he did get we got a few new cars during the time um sadly, one of the new cars is one of the ones he wrecked, so my I got a new car for my new car
1: right right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a skill. That's yeah. right.
0: Kitts was wrecking cars. Wrecking if cars, you, yeah. I think if you needed it done, he would have been great for an insurance scam.
1: Right. You know what? The funny thing is, he probably could have entered a demolition derby and he probably would have escaped scot free without a scratch.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: no scratch at all. Yeah. <laughs> but take him to Grand Lake and man, he'll he'll get that car right into the ravine.
1: <laughs> he didn't even need to go that far like a half a mile from his office.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that was a pretty good skill he had doing that. Um, for oh, sure. It
0: was just unreal. Yeah. Good yeah. news, my daughter has taken up the mantle apparently. So. Yeah, that's true
1: because she took over his car and she's already yeah. wrecked it, hasn't she?
0: So now we're yeah, a few a few three times. Um Oh, so. wow, cuz
1: that's just been since March.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I uh I just stay away from them. <laughs> if I see them on the road, just veer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the The wise, smart, and safe thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) So I
0: will. I will say to be fair, aside from two in which nobody else was involved but him, all the other wrecks were somebody else's fault. Right.
1: Right. right, Yeah. That is. That is true. He. We laugh,
0: but it was other people that were at fault. So he
1: was always in the wrong place at the right time. At the wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I get sort of. Moving on, you guys were married for
0: it would have been twelve years in 12. October of this okay. year. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I knew that it was somewhere in that range, but then it was like, well, you they don't live remember together. Our
0: wedding date, God.
1: I don't remember my wedding date. <laughs> That's not true. It's actually um as we're recording this upcoming Saturday. <laughs> so, and it's I don't know, like twenty-eight years. I think will be the number.
0: That's impressive.
1: I'm just at the point where I'm just going to keep track every five, you know, 30, <laughs> 35, 40.
0: Right. Like, uh, like reunions for high school.
1: Yeah, exactly. 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 But um, yeah, you guys were married for 12 years. And um, if you've ever, if you've ever known anybody um, that, you know, a married couple and um, they're just like, absolute best friends that's how Shay and kit were and when they were around each other you could tell you could tell that they enjoyed being around each other that it wasn't like strained or faked i'm i'm sure there were probably times that you guys probably had a maybe a you know a spat or something like that but i don't think you guys even really got into like big arguments it was just maybe like super small stuff wasn't it
0: nope just had one disagreement In the entire time. Yeah. And And that ended in Jarrett. He was a crazy introvert. Yeah. Um, and he you would talk to him, but then he wouldn't respond with anything. Right. And so one time I was just finally like, Do you want me to stop talking to you? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, No, no, I'm thinking. He said, I go through all of these scenarios in my head before I respond. He said, So that's what's going on. I'm not ignoring you. And that was it. That's the biggest
2: thing we
0: ever had to deal with. It was, I tell people all the time, you know, you hear people talk about marriage being hard work and, and so hard and it just wasn't for us. It, I mean, it was literally just like breathing.
1: Yeah. It it just was. She's not, not bsing. they, (laughs) it was just two people that were friends who I, that's probably because you were friends first. Yeah. And not just like friends for six months and then you started dating. It was friends for multiple, multiple years.
0: Right. And back back when I first met him, I mean, we were really good friends, really yeah. close. So when we got I uh, got back in touch with him, it just you just kind of picked right back up.
1: Yeah. At yeah. that point. So yeah. No, it was definitely, you know, cool because we all know people that are the exact opposite of that. Yeah where it's, you know, a combination of, I don't know, one person's gasoline and the other person's a Zippo lighter. (laughs) Yep. That was not, uh, that was not Shay and Kit.
0: No. (laughs) Um,
1: But before we sort of go on any further, um, and if you don't want this part in, I'll edit it out. Um, Shay (laughs) is the, So my mom was very, very, very traditional. And when Shay was getting married, I told her about how Shay was getting married. And I said, but Shay's not going to take her husband's last name. And my mom said, well, why? That's just what you're supposed to do. And I said, well, Kit's Asian and his last name is Bang. And Shay Bang just sort of sounds like a French whorehouse. And that's why Shay's words. (laughs) And that's why she wasn't going to. (laughs) And she said, now, if Kit wanted her to, she would have.
2: But
0: I would have considered it. I don't think <laughs> I would have because my oldest daughter had my name. Right. And because of a lot of her issues, that would have been very confusing for her. Right. Um, but as soon as I like said his last name with my first and middle name, my middle name being John, Shea John Bang sounds like.
1: Actually, it sounds house like a Vietnamese horror house.
0: Vietnamese horror house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so even kit was like oh no yeah my mom was
1: like that. oh no that makes perfect sense she should yeah <laughs> the funny thing is in my phone i have you programmed in there as shea bang. bang funny but then when i want to text you or something or if i'm looking for your number i'm like where the hell is shea <laughs> <laughs> i forget every time <laughs> i that's you know, funny. I, I do that to myself, but <laughs> it's worth it for the joke. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, that I've I've just always sort of found that to be funny. But
0: oh yeah, no, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because um, who
0: else could, you know, have a French whorehouse for a name?
1: Exactly. Well, the Vietnamese whorehouse actually works because it does sound French. Vietnam was a French colony. So a lot of French was spoken there. And it was true. born in Vietnam. So yep. it just is a full circle of glory
0: of, of whorehouseness.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't want a full circle of whorehouses? <laughs> okay, that went to a <laughs> 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 but um who
0: knew we could make this topic so funny
1: yeah i thought we were going to be it was going to be sad but i guess that part hasn't happened yet right <laughs> but we're about to start <laughs> okay <laughs> um so obviously since we mentioned it earlier kit was diagnosed with having cancer this was la- was it last summer it was 2021 summer or was it
0: july of 2021
1: so we're right at right around the anniversary then aren't we or not that that's a good anniversary, but I mean the day that he found out. We're closer, right around. Yeah, there we're
0: then. getting close.
1: Yeah, and I- I'm just going to let you go ahead and sort of give kind of run- a rundown on his cancer because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I know that like multiple organs were involved, but it was a couple different type of cancers too, was it not? No, it was a it was just type one
0: cancer. Um, but yes, multiple things were in uh involved. And, um, worst thing is he had no symptoms. So, right. yeah. um, in July, well, actually back it up just a little bit in March, Kit started having some issues with his stomach feeling kind of full when he ate burping a lot. And I kept telling him cause he had taken a new job at work and was really, really stressed. I think you have an ulcer, right? I think you need to get in and be seen for that. So he put it off for a little while. Um, And finally, he did go in. Doctor agreed. This is classic ulcer symptoms. Um, Let's get you on the antibiotics. Uh, He tested positive for H. pylori. He did the antibiotics for two weeks. He felt better, but then it kind of started backsliding a little bit. And then um, he uh, went in for another test to see if it had gone away while the the little, you know, blow test thing that they do or whatever. That came back negative, but he was still having symptoms. And the big thing was his cholesterol was through the roof. Kit had stellar cholesterol, but there's a study out there that shows that, uh, people of Asian descent who have H Pylori, it skyrockets their, uh, cholesterol levels. Right. So we were kind of like, okay, well, let's hold on until we know for sure that the H Pylori is gone. So the doctor at that point said, I'm going to send you to a GI because a biopsy is really the only way to know 100% those tests can be negative uh, or a false negative. Right. And so she wasn't going to do a CT, but finally she said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do the CT because you're going to the GI anyway. And she uh, scheduled him for that, got him in. And then that night that we received the results, he, um, I was going out to dinner with a friend and a, going to dinner and a play and I could tell from his face that it wasn't good. And I right. don't know, I kind of had a gut feeling anyway. And I asked him if he wanted me to stay and he said, no, go have fun. This'll be here when you get back. So when I got back, he let me read the CT because we had gotten it, you know, through the computer before we ever talked to the doctor. Right. And it was very clear um, it was in his colon uh, and it was colon cancer, but it spread to his lymph system, his liver and his lungs. Right. So we get to the GI GI says, sorry about your diagnosis, which we didn't technically have one yet, but I mean, you know, we did. Right. And so he went ahead and did a scope and a colonoscopy
1: Fun times. And
0: um, that confirmed what we already knew. A, that his H. pylori was gone and that he had colon cancer. So two days after the results came in, we were at the oncologist's office. The oncologist came in because by this point, Kit's blood work, aside from one liver enzyme, looked perfect. Looked right. like he wasn't sick at all. But his PET scan that they did, had us do before we went in was bad. Now, all we had seen up to this point is just the report from the CT scan and right. by the, and then this, the results of the PET scan, um, which were even worse, really, than the CT scan because it's so much more detailed. And first words out of the doctor's mouth were, get your affairs in order. That's um, never a good sign. It's never a good sign. And I mean, he did follow it up with, that doesn't mean absolutely that, you know, nothing's going to work. Just things can go sideways quickly with this type of thing. Right. And we're like, okay, we're going to try to keep positive and, you know, Um, and then he showed us the PET scan, asked us if if we wanted to see it. And of course we did, because we're those type of nerdy people, right? Right. And uh, his lungs looked like buckshot. There were so many tumors, mm-hmm. um, a good third or more of his liver had was, was tumor um, lymph nodes were enlarged. And then of course the original colon cancer, which actually wasn't that big in the grand scheme of things. Um, he did one round of chemo and like the whole series. So eight weeks, they redid the PET scan and it didn't work. Right. So the doctor said, we're going to try a different type of chemo and see if it'll work. This one looked great. The whole time, the CEA marker, which is the marker that says, you know, if it's working to shrink the tumors, went down by like 500 and a thousand points a week, you know, every two weeks. Right. It was amazing. We thought, oh, my gosh, this might actually work. You know, he may have to do a longer You know another set of it, but it's working. It's doing what it's supposed to. So we did another PET scan. Another doctor there had told us. You know, he said I can't give you a hundred percent, but he said I'm ninety nine percent certain you're going to have a good result. Sure enough, we get in there and it grew. It all grew. Everything in his lungs was worse. Mm -hmm. Liver was worse, and the doctor said, "I've never seen anything like it." Right. And I told him, I said, "It's vicious." And he said, that's exactly the word I would use. He said, this is vicious. And my door, sorry, my door just randomly opened. <laughs> it's a cat. Um,
1: I guess Kit doesn't like you talking about him.
0: He doesn't apparently. <laughs> and um, so the doctor said at that point, the only thing we have left is clinical trials. Right. And he said, I've already talked to them uh, from the minute I saw these results. And I can get you into OU for a clinical trial. So we go there. She tells us he's eligible for like four different ones. And we kind of picked the best one based on side effects and things like that.
1: And at this time it was, isn't it around November?
0: Yeah. Around November.
1: 2021. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. He started, he started chemo right at the end of July right and did yeah. the whole two two cycles up until then
1: um before we go any further i do kind of want to hear um, cuz this story is also your story as well yeah. and so from from your standpoint cuz obviously when you have a spouse or a loved one whatever the situation is that you're taking care of that's incredibly sick how was that for you you know to be like his sort of you know strength or crutch because obviously when you're dealing with you know you're obviously affected in everything too not the mm-hmm. physical aspect it's you know mostly mental but you still get tired physically how was that for you sort of from when he started chemo to November
0: you know I think because my my go to when when things are bad is is kind of the you know just get up get it done right type person. And I tried to follow his lead kit really wanted to stay positive. Right. Um, and, and keep the hope alive. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: I'm not that person. I'm unfortunately, I'm kind of the pessimist. Right. (laughs) Um, And, and, and trust me when I tell you saying that he's the optimist is (laughs) says a lot because he's not much of an optimist. (laughs) Um, we're both more just realists. Yeah. Um, it's it's not one way or the other. And I kept I kept my mood up as much as I could for him, uh, right. because I didn't want if, if it was going to be the last time that we had, I didn't want it to be solemn and and depressing all the time. We had our moments, you know, where we both broke down. Yeah, um, I had mine when we found out after that appointment, when we were told, get your affairs in order.
1: Yeah. Um, which is completely logical. I mean, yeah.
0: And I was, I went to my parents to let them know what was going on and I just lost it. Um,
1: that I, had to be I difficult for think, your dad. Cause he has zero emotions. Her he dad is the most, her dad, dad is the most Vulcan person alive.
0: Yes. And he didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of stood there. Um, and, uh, so I, I think, honestly, that that's that's probably the only time I've really broken down about this because you just have to keep going. Right. Um, and that's and I'm not saying that's healthy by any means. Um, it's just how I've always been. It, it probably is better for people to have. And I, I've cried more, but I don't think I've had like a really solid gut wrenching kind of letting yeah. it all out. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of a I was Shay and I had been coworkers for quite a number of years. And I just sort of I just didn't want it to where every time someone talks to you, house kit, house kit, house kit. So at work, right. I always tried to just talk to you like we just normally always talked. And because I knew that you were telling our supervisor what was going on, I would ask her what was going on. Right. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> 49 out of 50 people are asking her just about that thing. And that can be a bit overwhelming. So I just tried to, you know, tried to keep it something else. and, Um, And
0: we had his family coming in and all sorts of stuff that was not what typically would happen. I mean, until January of this year, I had never even met his brother. Yeah. And we had been married almost 12 years, you know? Yeah. So yeah. there was a lot going on that I just had to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not doing it any better or any worse than anyone else. Cause I, I think, you know, the kind of trying to process it is very individual. Right. Um, grief is very individual. Definitely. Um, so nobody's wrong and nobody's right yeah. in, in all of it.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly correct. So why don't you go ahead and tell us sort of what the clinical trials were, what they involved?
0: The uh, clinical Cause it trials, is kind of
1: interesting if I remember correctly.
0: It, it was interesting. Um, they used another drug that actually in the past they had to give in, the ICU because it could kill people, Fun. Um, but they isolated what they needed from that drug so that it no longer would do that. Right. And what it basically did is with that drug and, and the, the, um, the clinical trial drug together, it created a system that set it up so that your body starts fighting the cancer itself. So basically it, it super pumps your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of doing that, um, Kit ended up with a lot of sores on his mouth, which we determined, you know, he must have had the herpes virus that, that causes cold sores and stuff. Right at some point in his life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so it was now like his body, because his immune system was so supercharged, was going after that. Um and yeah. The goal would have been, of course, for it to uh, it, it. In a way, the medication isolates the cancer, so that it it kind of lights it up, so that your immune system can see it. Because a lot of these cancers, when when it comes to your immune system, they're invisible,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: they don't. Your body can't recognize them because they're they're masking themselves within your organs and within your lymph system. So this. The way that these drugs were supposed to work together is to light them up so that then your immune system mm-hmm. knows, oh, okay, that's what I need to attack. And Kit only had maybe two treatments before he started getting um, fluid in his abdomen.
1: Yes, uh, I remember that because that was not a it a
0: fun was not time. pleasant. And I, I have to say, like Kit didn't have really much pain in the entire thing until he, till he had the discomfort from the fluid in his abdomen. Um, and so they went in and they drained his stomach once and it came back within like three days. Right. And so at that point, the doctor was like, do you want to do another scan? And we said, yeah. And I said, can we do one on his head? Because he was very, Uh, confused a lot and just not himself mentally Mm -hmm. at that point. And even Kit agreed with that. He was like, yeah, I said, I think that might be a good idea. So we got the results back. And of course, again, we saw the results before the doctor talked to us and there was nothing in his head. He was, it hadn't spread to his brain. Which his uh, siblings had
1: suspected for years. (laughs) Right.
0: Uh, and, um, but the bad thing is that it had grown, yeah. um, and was about 50% of his liver now, significant growth in his lungs and his lymph nodes. And now there appeared to be lesions on the peritoneum. She asked him, do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue treatment? And he said, no. Yeah. And I knew he would. I that did not surprise me. Um, and I was going to follow his lead. Whatever he wanted to do is is what was right. And so you know, she said uh, we would do hospice at that point, but then she wanted to do a surgery to put a drain in so that I could drain the stuff off of the stomach at home to mm-hmm. make it more comfortable. Yeah, So they did that surgery and then they immediately put him on hospice the next day. That was the Friday. Um, we did a few of the drains. The drain is pretty, it's funny. It's interesting how it works. Um, Cause you know, it just uses the pressure to drain out and, but you have to like attach squeeze it like it a
1: giant thing. pimple.
0: It's, it's like a, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> but it's like a big, you know, it's this poor <whistles> thing. And then you had to um, attach that all together and then puncture the top of the bottle. And then it would drain itself out where well, you had to watch it because there's a point at which if it start, if it's draining too much, then it hurts because what it'll do is the end of the tube will suck onto an internal organ.
1: Oh, that's you know, not fun. You know,
0: wall of your stomach or whatever. Right. So the first time that we did it and you know me, I am not squeamish. No. And <laughs> I get I think it was more because it hurt him that this That's the happened. person you love. Yeah. This is the person I love. And I have just physically hurt them. Like yeah. I did that. So when it hit the point where it hurt, I turned it off as quickly, you know, very quickly so that it would stop. But then I started getting really lightheaded. And I nearly pa- I mean, I came so close to passing out. I had to have my oldest bring me a washcloth to keep me cool. And I did finally manage to get through it, to finish it up. And I was fine at, from that point on, because I knew what was going to happen, but woo, that was, <laughs> little...
1: it's like the situation where the, uh, they're in there and they're given birth and the dad passes out in the, exactly. you know, <laughs> while yeah. the mom's in there going, what the,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And Kit, you know, of course, you know, he's all, it's okay. It's okay. The pain stopped really quickly, and it did. Um, it, it didn't take long for it to stop hurting. But right. it's just, uh, it was just the idea that it hurt him at all.
1: Not, not too many people can say that they've given their spouse a hickey on their kidney.
0: That's that's very true. <laughs> um, you have that. I have that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the fr- On the Friday is when they set him up on hospice, and. Um, He was gone by the next Wednesday. Yeah. Because he stopped eating and drinking. And I know Kit, he knew what would happen if he did that. Yeah. He knew it would speed it up. And he didn't want us having to watch him just linger for an endless amount of time. And he was tired. He was so yeah. tired. He, and he told me that, too. He told me, I just want to go to sleep. And I said, I know. And he said, no, I don't think you understand. And I'm like, I know exactly what you mean. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think
1: um, knowing several people that have gone through that or, you know, similar things, not the exact thing, but being on mm-hmm. hospice, there is a, it's just been our, we need, I don't know, some sort of some
0: priest, know, holy man, age, something, something. Some, yeah.
1: But, um, and This is the part where I think everybody knows somebody that has gone through, maybe not cancer as bad as he had it, but you know, something that has ended in hospice, but a lot of times, you know, my mom was 74, right? Right. So when she still do, I wish mom was here, obviously, but 74 is older.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: so when, when that happens mentally, you're kind of a little more right with it. And in your case, you know, you guys are still in your, you know, your mid forties and
0: yeah, he was 46.
1: Yeah. So to, to become a widow if you know, 45, 46 is, is tough and, um, just everything that, you know, you have to go through. And that's sort of one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to just sort of, you know, talk about it. Cause I know that there's been struggles and just difficulties, but you know so far <laughs> you've managed to keep coming to work and yeah and
0: yeah because you know i mean i've got kids yeah so i i think that in some way it makes it harder but in some way it helps uh because you know you have them to keep going right um and so i i think the big thing is is that people don't talk about grief and right. so people don't know how to act with somebody who's going through something like this. Um, I think the difference, like what you were talking about with your mom, is the difference in what's what would be considered like an in-order death versus an out-of-order death.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: out-of-order is losing your child or losing your husband that you expect to have for the rest of your life if you were 80 it wouldn't be an out of order death because you're 80 you know you're expecting right. that one of you is going to go same with our parents we expect that our parents are going to die before us so although it hurts and although it's devastating it doesn't have the same effect not that it's any worse or better it's just different
1: exactly yeah
0: um yeah. you can't compare um the death of a parent to the death of a spouse. Why? Because you weren't planning to you you didn't plan your entire future on mom or dad. Right. But you plan your entire future on your spouse and what you're going to do. So I think for me that's been the hardest part. I don't see a future. And it's not like a a you know suicidal type thing. I I see my kids' futures, but I don't see mine anymore because my whole future was plans with him. Right. And those plans are all gone.
1: And, and any sort of thought past a certain point for the future is just probably like a big blurry blob. It is. <laughs> and yeah. It's hard it's, to imagine. It just,
0: it just kind of isn't there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm... I think one thing that people need to understand is that comparison really hurts sometimes, especially, and I have to, I love my pets with every ounce of my being. And if I lost one or when I lose one of them, I will be devastated. Right. But people really need to stop comparing the loss of their pet to the loss of a human being.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Definitely. And you
0: Especially, need to not do that to somebody who was who's lost a child for one yeah um or lost a spouse that they planned the rest of their life with you know because right now
1: it's still fresh i mean still
0: fresh and i'm looking at potentially 50 years because the women in my family lived to like freaking 96 98 so I'm looking at 50 years without him. Right. And well, that I'm, is
1: I'm hoping in your 80s you'll meet a, you know, <laughs> nice 75 year old younger man. Have I'll, a, I'll
0: rob, I'll rob uh, that 75 year old cradle. Yeah, yeah. Have
1: a have a May December relationship.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I think the other thing though is what's good for you isn't good for me, and vice versa. Right. Um, how we each deal with our grief is, is fine. It's fine. Um, Now, you know, I will draw the line at if you're feeling suicidal, clearly you need to see somebody and and try to get help for that.
1: Right. And there's a new number Um, for that. 988.
0: That's right. And so, you know, if that's the case, then that's one thing, but everything else is fine. If what somebody needs to do is curl up in their bed and cry for a week, that's okay. That's perfectly acceptable. And it doesn't make you any worse or any better than me who went to work within a few days. Right. Um, In fact, I would argue that there are certain things I wish I hadn't done looking back, but I did what I thought was right at the time. Uh, Cause Kit worked from home. So it was particularly hard to be here while his work stuff was still in the house.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I, I totally get that. Cause in a way you do want something uh, that is sort of a sense of normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in your case, so there not, once again, not that any spouse dying is good, but if you know, your spouse dies in a car accident, it's sudden, and that's a horrible thing to go through. Absolutely. But there wasn't, um, in your case, you know, seven months of sort of watching your loved one decline in your house. Right. So, in a sense, going to work provided a sense of not just normal, but even a little bit of escape.
0: Uh, yeah. Because escape. in your case,
1: yeah. the home was where you kind of watched Kit. Decline. So I can understand why you would not want to just be at the house.
0: Yeah. It it makes sense. Well, and I I think that's the hardest part of my day is actually coming home.
1: Right. Because
0: he's not here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. One of the things I've noticed, and this does tie in. So English in terms of languages is just amazing in its ability to take words from other languages and incorporate it in to where it just sounds normal when you're talking mm-hmm. like if you listen to japanese there is no word for zombie right Which so
0: unfortunate we, but uh-huh. so
1: yeah you'll hear somebody talk and so it's japanese 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 zombie, zombie. japanese 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 <laughs> and it kind of throws you off right mm-hmm. but in english I can say, my God, I really want a burrito. Well, a burrito is not an American, an English word, but it, you don't think that it's not. A, but you
0: don't think anything about it. Yeah. Right. And
1: there's so many words in the English language that are like that, except for one word. Sorry. When right. someone dies, the word is sorry. If you, it's a
0: word that means everything and nothing all at the same
1: time. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on your foot. Oh, I'm sorry. Your mom died right it's the same word right but it's like we need to invent like a new word for right. sorry that's like sorry plus
0: <laughs> right exactly yeah. it's, I've always this is the this is the real sorry versus the sorry I normally say <laughs>
1: yeah like I was sorry when I you know stepped on your foot but I'm way sorrier about this <laughs> right and I've just it strikes me as just odd that this language that is so good at incorporating other words from other languages doesn't have a word that's stronger than sorry. And I know other languages do. Yeah, I I don't necessarily know them. And just me saying that would obviously not affect, you know, a nation of 300 million people, but, (laughs) 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 but so every time, like when Kit died, it's like, I'm, and, you you know, they're passing the card and you're signing it and you're like, I'm so sorry, but it's like, but it's more, but it's more. than that. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. it, just, it just sucks. All right, people, we need to have a poll for it, it, inventing it the word sorry sucks. plus. But yeah. And yeah. also, I know that another thing that in your case, because we talked about it at work, is people will ask, how are the kids? And people tend to not, well, how are you doing?
0: Right. I think I've been pretty lucky. Um, now I will say that one thing you definitely find out as a, a widow or a widower is who your friends are. Right. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's malicious by any means. I think people don't know how to deal with grief. It, it can, t- you know, kind of suck you down if somebody's particularly down. Um, and maybe even they don't want to be reminded of that the person is gone because maybe they were friends with them as well. But what you will find is that you'll take your, you know, say you're 20 and it's going to dwindle down to less than five. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who, after the memorial service is over, after all the food has been sent and flowers and, and they've said enough, I'm sorry. How are you? They're the people who will keep checking on you. And, and I've been lucky that I have, AR office who all of you guys have been amazing and then I've got about three or four other friends that consistently check on me try to get me to do things um, but not pushy just you know hey we're here when you're ready yeah um, and I do because again being here all the time is is not good um, I think the biggest thing that people don't understand because you know not everybody has gone through this type of grief is the physical toll that it takes. Um, um, But yeah, I think it's that people don't understand the physical effect Mm -hmm. of what uh, grief does to you. I have fibromyalgia and it has like quadrupled the amount of pain that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And the doctors have already made it clear uh, that, that that's what it is. It, it's just this, this stress that I'm under from the grief itself. Plus let's face it. I don't eat well right now because, you know, y- you kind of fall into old habits regardless. And, and, you know, soda is my friend, um, as you know, <laughs> mm. and, um, the excess sugar and the excess carbs and all that is not good for certain. Yeah. Certain
1: we're, we're both emotional and, leaders.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so there's that. But what I didn't realize was going to be as big an issue, and really is there's a couple of things. Number one is the like brain fog.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It
0: is very hard to think. Very hard. It's getting a little bit better for me, but not a whole lot. Um, people can tell me something, and and ten minutes later, it's gone. If I don't write it down, I've had to start writing everything down so that I forgot a counseling appointment. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, you know, things like that that just I wouldn't have dealt with before pre cancer, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And now I'm dealing with on the regular. Um, And additionally, there's like other little things that you don't think about, like being able to focus to read a book.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: You know, I've read books my whole life and I haven't been able to really sit down and read one. But what I did find is whereas before I would never listen to a book on tape, it just bugged me to no end. I now can listen to books on tape in the car because I think it's my way to escape my own brain because I think way too much about all of it when I'm driving, which of course is probably the worst time. Well, you
1: guys carpooled so much too we did um so going from work now by yourself is it you know, it's different when you know oh hey i'm going <laughs> you know home and yeah. my person's going to be there that's a different mm-hmm. thing than than it changing and as you were talking it kind of got me thinking about how uh, it's it would be like the small things like shared responsibilities in the house mm-hmm. that are now that maybe you don't think about because the other person you know just did them like a couple months ago when heather went to spend that week with emily i was like oh man heather usually does this and now i have to do it Mm -hmm. but now this is like a permanent you know for me it was just a week but for you now a permanent thing and it's sort of like the small share responsibilities that that would hit
0: it's because kit worked from home it's the laundry that he did and the dishes that he would keep up with because he was here, you know, so he could do them real quick. And I never had to worry about that ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Um,
0: so all of a sudden, you know, dishes are piling up and laundry's piling up and how I have probably the exact same amount of laundry we had when he was alive. I don't understand. But
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the flaming lips actually have a song about that. Um, from their album the soft bulletin that came out in 1999 and it was after Wayne Coyne's father had died after a long protracted battle with cancer
2: Oh, uh-huh. and
1: the line in the song is and this is what's f- not funny but it's such a mundane thing and he's talking about how you're folding up some shirts and then you hesitate because suddenly everything has changed because you remember oh dad's not here or yeah. oh kid's not here and it's the you know You're coming home from, and it's in the song, you're coming home from the store and you're putting up the vegetables and then it hits you. That person is gone. And that is the most realistic song I've ever heard about what it's like after your loved one uh, has died. Because that's how it is.
0: I have not been able to go to the grocery store a whole lot for like family groceries. I can go to grab myself the stuff that I would get on the way to work kind of thing because I always did that by myself anyway, but grocery shopping was often a time that Kit and I could just go and the girls would stay home when we did it.
1: Well, you're probably excited about the new Kroger uh, delivery service in Oklahoma city.
0: I I have, I I've been using the, um, the shipped version. Right. Uh, We started doing that of course, when Kit had cancer because it, because of COVID um, you know, kept people from getting right. around him and from me going out, getting exposed and right. bringing it back. Uh, and I've just stuck with it, you know, It's like, especially with gas prices, are you really spending that much more?
2: <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. It's,
0: it's just little things. And you know, we went to visit his family here recently up in Michigan, and that's probably the hardest time I had was that first little bit of time there. Mm-hmm. Um, his family is wonderful every last one of them but it was because he should have been there
1: well yeah and, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah and
0: so i had a period of time where i just sat in the room and cried and uh see you're gonna make me cry jack
1: <laughs> dang it i didn't want to um, do that
0: but first um, once i got past it because i think at the same time because see his family speaks cantonese i do not uh, it is very hard to learn. And they all speak some level of English. Like the siblings, of course, you know, they speak English just fine. But as parents, uh, it's not as easy for them. They try, but it's just not as easy. And so I felt very out of place mm-hmm. when we first got there, kind of coupled with the fact that he wasn't there. Yeah. And um but once I got past that, then it was a great trip and we had tons of fun. But uh, it's just moments like that. You know, we've had to go through my birthday. We had to go through his birthday, Father's Day. Thankfully, we were up there for right. Father's Day. So I think it, it lessened it a little bit for the girls. And, you know, we've still got Christmas and all of that to go through. And I figure that's going to be pretty hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first one is
0: the, the other one is, is it, it's like you're, you think your grief is going to get better, but it gets a little worse. It's almost that it's going to, you know, it has to get better before or get worse before it gets better.
1: Right. It roller coasters.
0: How grief is, is that you think, Oh, I'm at six months now or whatever. It's, it must be, I'm probably coming to where I'm going to be able to deal with this and you find out that it's even harder because now all of the things that you had to do, you know, because there's just so much that you have to get done after they pass, all of that has stopped. All of the people have stopped coming around and it's just you. right? And so now it's this process of having to actually realize and accept that they're never coming back. Yeah. So it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hard. And um, I don't come over because I don't like to leave my house.
0: <laughs> no, and that's perfectly acceptable because I don't really like to leave mine either. <laughs> all, all
1: of my favorite things are here, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know that um, the last six months has been tough for you, obviously, and yeah, you know, it's gonna it's gonna roller coaster. You're gonna have times that are better and times that are worse.
0: Yeah. And that's pretty much how it is. Um, I mean, you've seen me at work. I can laugh. I can make yeah. jokes, often inappropriate.
1: That's uh, true. I'm talking to HR tomorrow about it. <laughs>
0: <I>? <laughs> but, uh, you know, usually if I'm having a bad day, I'm just quiet. Yeah. And um, I think other people are more worried about me than I am. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm doing okay considering. Because what, I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, I can't, you can't fix grief.
1: Right. And I was clearly concerned because I forced, I forced my therapist on you.
0: You did force your therapist. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because.
1: And I I, like him. I I was worried. And so I, I was talking with my therapist and I'm like, you know, this is sort of what my coworker went through. And like, she needs to talk to somebody and I know you're not taking any clients, but can you squeeze her in? Yeah. And he said, if you have her text me and say, I'm Jack's coworker, I will, I will squeeze her in <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah, and
1: uh, he is a good thing. And I
0: though. think that's helping, even though sometimes we talk about nothing related to me at all because, you that know, too. yeah, conversation just veers and you go with it because sometimes it's just about getting it out. Nobody can fix this. Nobody can bring him back. That's the right. only way you could fix it. Yeah. So I think people have to stop seeing, and, and there's a book by Megan divine about this, that it's called, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And then her other one is, I think um, uh, carrying what can't be fixed or something along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, because the goal is just to learn to live with it in kind of a a safe, comfortable place so that you're, you're, you're going to carry it with you for your entire life. Right. Because you can't bring them back. So you can't fix it. But what it becomes is it's not as prominent a portion of your life. You're not falling apart every minute of every day. You're not seeing something and always seeing them or when you are seeing them, it turns into more of a, a happy memory. Memory of them versus the sad
1: I'll they're never not have there. this again
0: yeah. version.
1: It because it, I guess it trans or it morphs from being the thing to just a thing.
0: A thing. Exactly.
1: And and you know, the first year, honestly, everyone always says that is the hardest. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's a year of first.
0: Yeah. And I I would say a lot of the widows that I've talked to, it is, it's the, it's the first that are really hard. Um, a lot of them will, will say that it's the second year for, for them,
1: which also Um, would make sense.
0: Right. And it's, uh, and I, again, like I said, it's different for everybody. Um, you know, and it also is going to depend on your relationship. Right. Um, you know, if, if somebody, you know, maybe they didn't have a good relationship and were already on the outs or whatever. There's going to be grief. Yes. Because there was, of course, at some point, a point of that they loved that person. Um, but it may not be the same as what I experienced.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: I, I think the biggest thing is that if people just need to talk about it because it's such a taboo subject and it just mm. makes you feel so incredibly lonely when it happens. Yeah. Um,
1: if you ever and, watched intervention, grief is a big cause of a lot of the people where they right. ended up on that track. It it was some form of grief. Not all of them, obviously, but right. you know, a good 33%. Well,
0: I mean, if you look at all the, you know, the when they were doing the television show Hoarders, so mm. many of the people who became Hoarders were people who were grieving a loss
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: and had no outlet to learn to live with it
1: yeah 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 um i think this country definitely needs to do a better job with uh, grief management (laughs) i don't know if grief management is an appropriate term for it but but yeah, well,
0: just, we just empathy,
1: empathy in general. And mm-hmm. like on my, on my other podcast with Kenyatta, we frequently talk about how you should start all of your interactions um, with kindness, mm-hmm. even if, cause you know, you never know, maybe that guy that's being a, my frequent example, maybe the guy that's being a dick at the convenience store, maybe his mom just died.
0: Right. Well, you know, for, as an example of that, so the very first day we went to chemo for Kit nobody told us anything. They gave us a schedule and said, show up. We didn't know which desk to go to nothing. So we went to the lab. We did at least have that. And the nurse there was so incredibly rude. Like that's the only thing I remember about our time at the Bat cancer center is her and how rude she was. And I could have complained, but I opted to write her a letter instead And I sat there and I wrote a letter and I said, basically, maybe you're having a bad day because we all do that. But what I need for you to understand is that you are dealing with people who have just received the worst news of their life. Right. And they need some compassion Mm -hmm. and they need some caring to help them through this time. And I hope that you can be that person for them because I wanted her to be the better person. I wanted her to just realize what she was doing, because sometimes you can, you can get overwhelmed. You can have a bad day and you don't realize that you're snapping at people. Right. Um, maybe she's the greatest nurse in the world. Ultimately.
1: and just got her on a bad day.
0: It just got her on a bad day. So I just wrote her a letter that was nice. It was firm, but it was nice and mm. said that I hope, that that's the person she would be because I thought it was just the better approach than
1: yeah, starting yeah. something
0: that didn't need to be started and getting her in trouble for just a bad
2: day.
1: Yeah, and you know if somebody's an asshole, generally speaking, you're going to find out after about a month of dealing with somebody that they're an right. asshole, and then you don't have to be their friend. But and then you at don't, least yeah. at yeah. least start from the position of kindness, and then from yep. there uh, you can. Yeah. Once you I realized
0: that there's, there's no fixing this, you know, then uh, all bets are off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we had a coworker that other people in the building would ask kind of what this person's deal was. And, yeah, and it was always, well, maybe, you know, she's just not, she's kind of introverted and yada, yada, yada. No, the truth of the matter is she was a gigantic bitch.
0: That's Yeah.
1: And I'm talking like, Godzilla from the like, current size Godzilla movie size. Right. She was, when she left the office just felt better.
0: Right. The tension was so much less.
1: Yeah. And she hated me. So I have no fear of her listening to this podcast. So. <laughs> she literally did not speak she to did. me for a year and a half. She would walk around the suite to yep. exit the building. So she didn't have to walk past my cubicle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was that whole thing was just
1: like, so weird. You are in your 40s and you are acting like a 4-year-old.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like grow up.
1: Yeah, I don't care if you walk past my cubicle, really. Right. Harry anyway.
0: threatened us and we well, didn't That's
1: true. That was another bad coworker.
0: Yeah. Was... <laughs> but at least
1: he had the excuse of being an alcoholic. That's true. <laughs> and uh, you know towards uh, the end of the day he was going through the DTs, so that was yeah. probably why. <laughs> Maybe
0: that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, he threatened us and we didn't even act that way.
1: Yeah. We were still nice to him afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now I did firmly tell yeah. him when he said, you want to go outside and throw Take down your, yeah. to where I informed him that I will kick your ass, old man.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I will kick your ass, <laughs> but you're going to get to hit me first. So then it's self-defense. That's right. <laughs> you
0: get but, one. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and then I'm going to kick your ass. And he wasn't quite expecting that response. No, I don't
0: think he was. I don't think he was. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, I think
0: that came as a shock.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was a lot nicer after that, though, wasn't he? Yeah, to me yeah. anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he was never nice to me again. Um, but uh, but that was okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know, need
0: him to be my friend.
1: No, I definitely didn't either. Yeah. And I.
0: But I need you to be my friend, Jack.
1: I am your friend. I'd say at this point, it's probably obvious. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to, we've worked with each other for double digit numbers. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. it It is really strange to have uh, worked with somebody that sort of when we started you know or at the lower end and now in our entire agency we're like long we're at the upper <laughs> <laughs> we're long-term <You> know. employees
0: <laughs> i'm kind of i'm kind of devastated by that because then that tells me how old i am
1: yeah i'm there with you <laughs> so uh well believe it or not we've we've kind of reached the end is there any, is there anything uh you would like to just sort of say to anybody that's going through, you know, their spouse being sick, their loved one, their partner, whatever terminology you use, there's too many of them for me to know them all, you know, I think, and widows, I think
0: it's just, you're not doing it wrong, regardless of what other people tell you, regardless of their judgments or comments to you, you're not doing it wrong.
1: Unless you're doing meth
0: unless right, that, that would probably be the wrong way. Um, but I, I think that people need to understand that however you need to deal with it minus like meth, um, is the way to go. You know, it's what works for you, not what works for Auntie Sheila or neighbor number three down the road. And nobody else has right to pass judgment on you and how you deal with your grief.
1: And how long it takes. Cause... And how long it takes. Yeah. yeah there definitely. is no
0: timeline. There is no timeline. And this this concept in the medical field that there's a, you know, basically kind of like an extended grief that there's a problem is one year is so arbitrary
2: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. means nothing and it's just an easier way to diagnose people with something. Grief takes as long as grief takes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true and I I would just add that do not be afraid to talk to a therapist or a counselor.
0: Absolutely. It doesn't have to be immediate, but if there if you if you get to a point where you just don't know anymore, especially you just don't know what to do, that might be the little, you know, push up the hill that you need to just get out what's in yourself so that you can continue on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've gone to school for that and they're, most they're, of them are they're pretty, pretty good. good at it. Yeah. 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 So definitely if that's something you need to do, do not be yep. afraid to do it.
0: Do not be afraid to ask for help.
1: And if somebody, well, it's been a year, just ignore them. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> ignore
0: them. Yeah. Or flat tell them, you know, that's not my grief schedule.
1: Yeah. I sort of like that term, grief schedule. Although maybe we should say it more Captain Picardy and say grief schedule.
0: Schedule. Yes. But Would make it sound more official.
1: It, well, yeah. It just sounds more high class. Yeah. And who wants low class grief when you can have <laughs> high class grief?
0: That's <laughs> <just> right. <laughs> we want uh, we want the fancy champagne grief.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, why have Garth Brooks grief in low places when you could have, uh, what was his name? Robin Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. uh,
0: Robin (laughs) Leach.
1: Robin Leach High Class Grief.
0: That's right. (laughs) And with that. (laughs) (laughs) Now that in my head, I'm creating a whole like episodic thing with Robin Leach.
1: I I am too. I actually... I actually went from "I've got grief in low places" to then on oh, this exciting episode of "Lifestyles <laughs> of the Rich and Grieving." <laughs> oh, my God! And with that, we're,
0: we're we're such nerds,
1: right? But I took you on a roller coaster of laughter to tears, back to laughter. See, I brought you back yep. up that's to right. laughter. You brought me back up. So you know that's what that's what coworkers and friends do. That's right. <laughs> So, um, well, in all seriousness, I appreciate you coming on because this is clearly a welcome. a weighty topic. But yeah, um, one of the things I like uh, in just sort of talking with my friends is that people have an aspect of their life story that that can be helpful to someone else. Right. And good, bad, both can be helpful to someone else. And Absolutely. And. Even if just one person is able to listen and be like, you know what? I can get through whatever my thing is that I'm going through. And that's sort of another thing too is people have a tendency to say, well, this happened to me, but I know it's not as bad as what happened to you. Well, it may not have been, it may not be as bad as what happened to the other person, but it might be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Right, if So that doesn't take away all the
0: time. It's not relative yeah. just because somebody else's pain might be worse in your mind. Doesn't minimize your pain in yeah. any way. Yeah,
1: exactly. And here's an example that's related to, uh, my, my youngest daughter who, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that she was on fire earlier this year. So I was talking with our executive director about that and he was in an accident and he got second degree burns on his face and his arm. And he was telling me that. And he was like, that was nowhere, of course, as bad as your daughter. And I'm like, you know what? That was probably the worst thing you ever went through pain wise. So don't minimize it because it's not as bad as what she went through. Right. But then at the same time through a support group that I'm in for family members and burn survivors, I've become friends with this guy and he was like, what happened to your daughter? And I explained to him and he was like, Oh, that's the worst. And I'm thinking, dude, you were literally in an explosion.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here you've got somebody who, in our minds, legitimately had had it worse because he was in an explosion.
1: And he just he's like and oh, he man.
0: feels like hers is worse. Yeah. And I'm just so like, see, it's really not relative.
1: Yeah, his it kids really literally is. his kids call him dadpool because his <laughs> <laughs> his his injuries were oh, that's funny. Were you know they were bad because he was in an explosion. Right, right. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that had to. Oh my god, what your daughter went through is the worst." And I'm like, "It's all relative, folks." That's right. <laughs> um, hopefully, if somebody's going through something, hearing your story will be the thing that they need to hear to you know keep going.
0: Yeah, I hope so because so, that's kind of what I'm here for.
1: Yeah, So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about a very weighty subject and um, I really appreciate it. So thanks.
0: You're very welcome.
1: I was thanks. glad to do it. So I enjoyed our chat. I did, even though it was once again, <laughs> the <laughs> laughter parts made it, made it okay. That's but, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and end the show. And uh, of course, if you know me, you know that I frequently fell at this, but remember everybody, Try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of
0: an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.